When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, love, I don't get enough of it. Welcome to Watching the Throne. Where we talk everything Kanye West. I'm Chris. I'm Travis. And today we have a very special episode. Uh, Instead of covering a song by Kanye, we're going to interview somebody in his journey with Kanye West. His name is Jordy C. Johnson of Fifth Opinion. The podcast Fifth Opinion. Yes. (laughs) And we're going to hear your story, eh? (laughs) <laughs> I feel like you built me up that people are going to think like I've actually been on a journey with Kanye West and this is going to be really disappointing. You have been. You well, have. a personal one. <laughs> Not literally. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's that's all in the marketing, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh they click thinking somebody took a road trip with Kanye West and then they find right. out that it's just a guy who sat there listening to Kanye. I actually did have a road trip where I listened to every single Kanye West song in a row, and it was pretty fantastic. Sounds good to me. That sounds beautiful. I remember Jordan making fun of me for that, actually. I did. I regret it. You should not bring that up anymore. This was in your pagan days? Yes. Dark times. (laughs) Well, before we get into uh, your journey, we have some Jay-Z news that we want to go over. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't be... A podcast if we weren't discussing, you know, this crazy shit JD's doing. Um, like, I, the other day he tried out a new hand cream and he's actually considering switching brands now. Ah, that's huge. I wonder who's going to get the endorsement. Yeah, I, it's pretty coveted prize to be the uh, official hand cream spokesman for Jay Z. <laughs> Wait, the yeah. spokesman? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. That's good. Um, well, my news is it turns out that Jay-Z had ice cream for the first time ever. Um, Wait, for the first time ever? For the first time ever. Jay-Z had never had ice cream. Um, That's crazy. I know. Um, he was really skeptical of the chocolate-vanilla-strawberry combination that was presented to him. <laughs> um, but he discovered that it was incredible, that the flavors, instead of uh, combating one another, actually dance on the palate very well. <laughs> I do actually agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the story has a tragic ending as Jay-Z got brain freeze for the first time as well and has since sworn off ice cream forever. Wow. Just like that. Just like that. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. That's a dramatic turnaround. Yeah. He's treating it like rap beef or something. Like... That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It was good while it lasted. Um, and Jordan... Uh, we're told you have some Jay-Z news. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. Uh, I was actually sitting next to him on a plane the other day. Holy shit. Yeah, he just slept, though. I didn't get to talk to him. Oh, so your news is he slept on a plane. <laughs> he did. That's pretty cool. What, uh, did he... So you were, like, first class. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's the only way to do it. <laughs> he didn't, like, put his head on your shoulder or anything. He, uh kept his face. Is there any part no. of, like, juicy gossip there? <laughs> I wanted to put mine on his, but, you know, I figured <laughs> that was inappropriate. 
That's true. I bet uh, I bet it would be hard and rocky like a boulder, where Kanye's shoulder is probably very soft and pillowy. <laughs> wow. Bowsers. Um, well, so that does it for the JC News section. <laughs> came here to do, which is interview Jordan about Kanye West. And his story A. <laughs> story A. Oh, um, so let's let's start off with the first question. Very basic. Uh, which albums have you listened to? Oh, all of them. Of course. Okay, good. Including the bootlegs? Uh, no, not including bootlegs. Well, don't say you've listened to all the albums. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wow. Um, <laughs> I don't even think I've listened to the bootlegs. <laughs> And uh, which of them is your favorite so far? Oh, Jesus, no doubt. Not even close. We may or may not agree with that. <laughs> we'll have to wait three years to find out, probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much you guys want to get into stuff to songs you haven't covered, but, uh, you know, I'm sure it'll come up. Nah, yeah, we'll probably get into it. We're fine. Yeah, yeah. we're going to, we'll eventually get into discussing specific songs with you. Um, okay. But, uh, I say that like I'm surprised, like I have no knowledge of that. <laughs> well, what? What? Um, so, Song analysis? Do you remember the first time you heard Ye? Or the, the first time you hear Ye? Uh, I do, actually. Which was uh, when the trailer for Jarhead came out in 2005 and Jesus Walks was in it. I remember that trailer. Yeah, great trailer. Wow. Probably I might have the trailer better than the movie. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, that's it's right. pretty great. And then it was just a long, long, dark road before Ye reemerged in my life. <laughs> <laughs> didn't uh, Kanye play in the trailer for, like, Wolf of Wall Street or something? Oh, that's right, he did. Power or something? Yeah, there... It was uh, Black Skinhead. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, mean, I didn't know it at the time, though. Holy shit. He was yeah. also in the Great Gatsby trailer. That's right. That's right, yeah. Right. You know, the funny thing is, uh, at the theater that I go to a lot, they they play like you know those commercial, those pre-show commercials, and uh, there was like an ad for like a touchpad or something like that, and Black Skin had the music would play all the time, and I just after I actually listened to the album, I thought it was funny that like this ad was using a song called Black Skinhead for their product the entire time. <laughs> I Not that funny, but you know. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, so, go ahead. Well, I was just wondering, like, what did you originally think of him? Like, if you heard Jesus Walks, like, were you impressed? Was there anything about him that, like, drew you in? I liked Jesus Walks at the time, and that was, like, the only song of his I had for years. And I, I liked that song, and then I just kind of lost track with it. And then I think for a long time I got kind of, I fell into the same camp I think a lot of people do, which is just really stupid and not understanding him. Um... And, was, yeah, it just, you know, there's that whole reticence to, you know, get let him in. I don't know. Because, you know, I think his persona is so huge and it makes you feel kind of standoffish at first. Right. Yeah. Especially, like, a lot of people, I think, are shocked. They either don't understand the context of things that they've heard him say. Like, right. with him talking about how his job is as dangerous as, like, police officers. Right. Like, he wasn't trying to say that. He was just trying to say, like, there's a risk of getting injured that's present in performing on the stage that he does sure. that isn't there for, like, an office worker. But that with, like, the 
George Bush stuff and the Taylor Swift stuff, a lot of people just tend to think of him as a generic asshole with no talent rather than somebody that actually has reasons for doing what he does. Right. You know, actually, uh, come to think of it, there I did, before I got into him, there was one other little blip where uh, somewhere I used to work, someone was listening to Runaway, and I'd never heard the song. And I'd only, I, I was only hearing the, like, the instrumental part, like the last four or five minutes of the song. Yeah. And I was just, I, I heard it, and I was kind of just blown away. I was like, what the hell is this? And I asked him, he looked, he looked at me like I was an idiot and said it was Kanye West. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you hear the song, and again, without, like, the context of his whole thing... Just hearing him, you know, just kind of like, you know, say things like a toast for the douchebags and stuff is a difficult entry point. Yeah, right. Yeah, that whole part on Runaway where it just slips into, like, kind of auto-tune-y, like, and he fades into the song, sort of, it still blows my mind that he, he achieved something. Like, it's just content meeting form, and it's just the music that kind of overtakes it and becomes, like part of the emotion of, like, what he's expressing, it's crazy good. Absolutely. Yeah, well, and it also plays into the idea, like, you could view it also as the girl that he's speaking to in the song getting a distance from him, or us, the listener, getting distance from mm -hmm. him to where we actually are running away um, yeah. from this sort of... Uh, cycle that he puts you through of like being an asshole and then like being vulnerable and bringing you back in it's really it really is a beautiful moment of like form meeting narrative in music yeah, right. which I don't think you get all that often and also I mean on top of that too even as somebody you know who doesn't isn't gonna get like some of that thematic stuff just on, like an unbelievable section of musicality too where it just all all the baggage from Kanye and the lyrics and everything just falls away, and it's like, how can you not appreciate just you know the the music that he's doing? The only I think the only thing in speaking to other people that tends to be hang up is the autotune stuff, but you know that's a hurdle you got kind of got to get over once you start getting into him. <laughs> you have a whole album of hurdles to get over with that. Like, anyways, <laughs> right. is all of that, <laughs> which I think is I, I think listening to that album is kind of. I think that part of that whole album's point is to make people clear that clear that hurdle. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think a, a big part of 808s is trying to sell the you know the legitimacy of autotune as like an emotional and musical tool, which I think he absolutely does. Yeah. Part of me wonders though. Like we'll get into 808s, I guess, but it's the only album to me that sounds in between like stages for him. Right. Like, I feel like he has such a clear and distinct vision on most of his, well, at least graduation going forward. I guess right. we've talked about, like, college dropout, how it's, like, kind of random. But I still feel like there's a defiance to him that's going on. And 808s, like, I guess sonically and, like, musically, like, it feels to me like an experiment more than, like, something he's grasped. Like, I like the attitude way more on, like, my beautiful Twisted Dark Fantasy and Jesus, like, the way he utilizes it and how it means something in different contexts and everything. I don't know. I just, I still have trouble getting the 808 sometimes, even though I like it more than I used to. I think it's, you know, I think there's something to be said for using it as a way of 
sort of distancing himself and the emotion from himself. You know what I mean? Mm. Where you're not just listening to, to Kanye. You're listening to Kanye through this filter. There's like a barrier between you and his, you know, his just regular human voice that I think is thematically appropriate for like, you know, all the like heartbreak and yeah, just heartbreak themes of that album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I adore that album. That was the album that got me into Kanye. Um, so when we start discussing songs in that album, by the end of it, you're either going to agree or hate me, but, <laughs> um, I think I'll agree mostly on like individual songs. There are some songs in there I definitely, I know I don't like as much as you, but I, I think as a whole is where I'll have to be sold on it. Maybe going song by song will help me out a lot more. It's the only one I haven't been able to grasp as a whole, I think. Yeah. It definitely has my least favorite songs from his discography, but I'd also, I also, but I still love it, and I still think it's fascinating, and has also some of his best songs at the same time. Yeah, I think Jordan, what you were saying about how the auto tune plays into the emotion and creating like a not Kanye, but this like embodiment of Kanye's emotion is like a really interesting aspect of the album, um, right. especially as the album as. Uh, a work of catharsis for him. Yeah, definitely. Right. Hmm. Um, well, when did he finally click for you? Like, what what, what year was it? What was it that happened? Like, okay. walk, walk us through that story, eh? <laughs> Never gonna get old. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay, so, well, I'm actually a pretty recent Kanye vert. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I actually got into him. I've really, I've really only been into him for about a year, maybe just over, right around there. Um, so this, yeah, this is all pretty new. Uh, so I just, I don't know. I think it was just, uh, you know, the sort of accumulation of hearing all of this stuff about him, and hearing so many different opinions and so much praise and all, you know, the constant, you know, talk of him being a genius. And just wanting to understand why why people are saying that. Because, you know, I'd only heard, like, Jesus Walks and Runaway. And, you know, I didn't know what to make of him just off of that. So just after hearing all that, I was like, you know, I'm just going to I'm just gonna dive in and just figure out for myself how I feel about this guy. Mm-hmm. So I, do, I got all the albums, and I just went through chronologically, starting with College Dropout, ending with Jesus, and just went through and just listened over the period of, I don't know, one or two weeks and just took it all in. Um, and which I, I'm glad I did, and I think I think tracking his journey is helpful. Um, but yeah, I think the first I was a little confused at first because college dropout and late registration are you know what you guys have been talking about uh, were I, I like them, but I, I had trouble with I still didn't get like why people were saying this guy was a genius, why he was like the greatest producer alive. Because for me, College Dropout and Late Registration are solid hip-hop albums, but that's kind of all they were to me. Uh, and I, to a degree, I, I still feel that way outside of certain tracks, but I think those are merely really good hip-hop albums. And I think after those is when he really <laughs> graduated to, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the Kanye that we know now, and the Kanye that I, I got, you know? Yeah. I think it was, I, I will say that there was one key song where, because I, I listened to all of College Dropout, liked it, and then on Late Registration, for most of it, I was still like, yeah, it, it kind of more of the same. But then uh, Addiction came, 
And that one kind of snuck up on me. I, I, really only for musical reasons, just because I think the, you know, the beat and the sample and everything is really unbelievable on that song. But uh, then you get to Diamonds from Sierra Leone. And that's that was the moment for me. That was when I was like, okay, I get it. That was right there. Like seriously, the first time I listened to that song, I just started thinking about him in a different way. I started thinking about hip hop in a different way, sampling everything. Like that song just kind of blew me away. That's awesome. And what about it in particular? I, I mean, I remember actually messaging you about it. I should have pulled that up. <laughs> like just read it, and you don't have to say it. <laughs> no, no. Well, okay. I, the big, the thing for me about that song was the the contrast between the sample that he chose and the lyrics that he's rapping. Um, the you know using the Shirley Bassey "Diamonds Are Forever" sample, which is the song, sort of you know it's like it, it's a lament about her relationships and men and everything, but it's also extolling the virtues of diamonds and how they'll last forever and how they'll never fade even when her men do, mm-hmm. but. Then Kanye comes in with this line about where diamonds come from and how, you know, like conflict diamonds in Sierra Leone um, and how that connects to his life and what he's going through. The I, I have the verse. If I can just read it if you want. Um, yeah. Okay. So it, this, is, this was like the verse where he says, um, though it's thousands of miles away, Sierra Leone connects to what we go through today. Over here is a drug trade. We die from drugs. Over there they die from what we buy from drugs. The diamonds, the chains, the bracelets, the charms is. Uh, I thought my Jesus piece was so harmless till I seen a picture of a shorty armless. And here's the conflict. It's in a black person's soul to rock that gold. Spend your whole life trying to get that ice. Bought a polo rugby. It looks so nice. How can something so wrong make me feel so right? That fucking verse just, I feel, I just felt like my head exploded or something. <laughs> just the contrast between that and, and using, uh, you know, a, uh, the pop culture significance of that sample, connecting those two contrasts, and in a, in a, through a verse where he's talking about how what he's going through is connected to what these other people are going through in this other part of the world and the problems in that whole cycle, it's un, it's unbelievably connected and, and cyclical, and it, it's like a per, for me, it's a, a perfect match of form and content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, even though I. We've talked about like a lot of his songs. I mean, it's great. I still think it's something he does pretty consistently, like even on his first album. I think he's like very conscious of the BT samples, and even more so in his own album because I can think of stuff like him. I feel like the stuff he does with like Jay Z isn't always like that, and it probably right. isn't really like that until Blueprint Three. But like, I just feel like sometimes he's like with Jay Z, he's on like robot mode like it's just it's just repeating like soul music like over and over and like right. doesn't really connect but you're right well like something like Sierra alone like it's undeniable like what he's doing like it's it's there's a theme coming out of his samples that's really impressive right and that's what that's what did it because i'll say like before kanye i came from my background was I was really into, like, underground hip-hop. I was one of those, like, stupid people that was, you know, all against, like, pop music and pop rap, and I just, I wasn't into any of that, and I was like, I thought I was, you know, so much better with my, you know, Jedi mind tricks and Nas and all that, whatever. <laughs> and then I, so, like, the first two albums, I was like, yeah, you know, it, it's good, but the, 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 like, the samples and the beats and everything don't really sound that different from, like, what Stoop the Enemy of Mankind did with Jedi mind tricks with that, you know, like, chipmunk soul sound and everything. And then I, I thought, you know, I, again, from, like, the stupid person background, where, like, I was so I, I was so caught up in this idea of hip-hop as, like, this binary thing, where it's, like, B 
beat and rapping and how good is the rap how good is the beat and you know like just it's like these two separate things where it's like the the beat just had to sound good and it didn't really matter if it was connected to what was being said through the song and all i really cared about in the raps was just like technical flow and stuff which looking back is so empty and i mean i i I can still listen to and appreciate a really amazing flow um and i can still listen to and appreciate you know really good beats musically I, i love that stuff but when I, when I got to Sierra Leone, I was like, oh, shit, this can be so much more than how I was thinking of it. <laughs> yeah. This can be, you know, you can express things through music just like you could through a movie or, you know, any other form of art. It's these ideas and themes, I don't know. I, I feel so stupid for not getting it for so long, <laughs> you know. But it, it really, it, it kind of changed, and not to sound like dramatic, but it kind of changed my life. I mean, just it's something that I love as much as music, to just all of a sudden see it so with such like new eyes and everything just starts to sound and feel different after you, you have that, you know? Yeah. He kind of ruined like music for me, like period for a while. Exactly. Like, oh, people aren't doing this. God damn right. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I, I've been like crippled musically for a long time because I just don't find anything that's sort of on the level of depth that Kanye has. Like, I'll go back and listen to like Black Star's album and like, Kendrick stuff and be like, okay, this is getting at the, like, the fullness that I want from music, but it's hard to, like, listen to rock music that's not doing that, to, like, other hip-hop music that's not doing that, to just standard pop. Like, I've found myself, like, going back to a lot of classical music just to, like, get that sort of depth of what's going on. And I I will say, like, right now I'm in a phase where I I think... Kanye was sort of like this gateway drug where I, I started getting into, he kind of, because he changes the way I look at stuff, now I, I've been going in and, and listening to a lot of other pop music and, uh, you know, stuff just I wrote off before. And I'm, so I'm going through a phase right now, especially where I'm listening to a lot of pop, like Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Kesha, all that stuff, uh, which is, most of which is I, I love, but there's, there's so much stuff in, in pop where they do, they deliver very overt social messages um, which is fine, and I'm glad they're doing it. But when I'm listening to it, it's so it's so much less interesting than the way someone like Kanye does it, where it's not so not always so overt, and it's much more tied into him and his personality and what he goes through, and he creates parallels between himself and these different these larger themes that he wants to explore, which to me is so much more mature and complex than just talking about you know equality and feminism and stuff which is all great and i agree with all that stuff but it's just there's there's a level of didacticism when you're dealing with it overtly that i don't get from kanye i feel like you're referring to like beyonce (laughs) because that's how i've always felt about her in like her best (laughs) albums i'm kind of like man like i i I, full disclosure i just listened to her self-titled album for the first time today and that's fresh on my mind right now and uh yeah there were it was a very frustrating experience for me yeah, I like some of the stuff in that album. Like, I think her takes on, like, 
like she presents love, I think, in a way, like in a mature way, and it's kind of refreshing. But at the same time, like the feminist stuff, like it's so blunt and on the nose and self-aggrandizing and everything. Like I, right. I almost like can't. It it doesn't make me cringe, but at the same, I guess I yeah, I'm like kind of bored by it. Like I couldn't it's, care. It, it's just another thing where it's like I said, you know, I, I'm I'm glad that she's doing it. I, I'm glad that somebody with her, you know, mainstream fame is out there just giving these, you know, blatantly and, you know, overtly feminist messages, actually even using the word, which is rare. Um, and that's great, and, and that's awesome, but when you're coming from a spot like, you know, like I am, where I already, like, understand this stuff and I agree with her already, listening yeah. to those messages starts to feel just really unengaging and very, yeah, just boring. I, you know, I, I feel like I've got this. Like, what's the next step? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that gets into the thing of uh, wanting different uh, markets isn't the right word but various voices like beyonce probably needs to be the voice that's being overt because she has the popularity and can hammer the message home but that means that there is room for an artist that's going to come in and do what kanye's doing like kanye could let jay-z do all the like i have money and bitches and hoes and he can come in and deliver like art in a way that nobody else Something is. Pointed, yeah. yeah. And I think it, it doesn't it also doesn't help her case that not not only that, but there are other artists out there t- at, at the same time she is exploring similar themes and I think more interesting, entertaining, engaging ways. Like I think Miley Cyrus and Nicki Minaj are much more interesting, you know, feminist artists out there right now for me. It's cuz they're yeah, it's dealing with it overtly, but it's also dealing with it more confidently with a more I, I think I just respond to the whole sort of punk rock aesthetic that they project which I, there's like a defiance and a humor to it that I don't get from Beyonce right yeah I mean I totally agree with that you're you're making a great point about like pop music in general and how it's able to kind of capture that energy that Kanye has I actually feel that way about Kesha like oh, yeah. I would compare like a Kesha album to a Beyonce album and ask you to like really listen to the music going on and like how it really feeds in because i think kesha like i'm i'm with you i'm on a pop cake and i'm listening to like animal and stuff and oh, yeah. i think like there's personality to the music that lends to like a greater story kind of going on throughout the album like right. there's defiance there's like this general attitude towards like these like gender politics and like there's a fierceness to it that i don't think like needs to be stated like actively at every exactly. song like Beyonce kind of does. I think just just I, I, I'm, and maybe this is subjective, but for me, I, when I, I when I listen to Kesha or Nicki Minaj, there's such a there's such a personality that comes through. Or same thing with Miley Cyrus, where I feel like Beyonce, I don't really get so much of that personality. With Beyonce, I get more just the overt themes and these you know ideas about love and about sex and about feminism and all that stuff but i don't get the 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 personal narrative i don't Mm -hmm. get the personal struggle which i think is a much more persuasive case for feminism because you're listening to a powerful woman exert her personality when you're listening to kesha or Nicki minaj or miley cyrus and and i think with beyonce that feels very manufactured to me it feels like she's trying so hard 
to tell you that about herself and what she believes in, that it just doesn't come through naturally. It, it, you wind up hearing the point and not the artist. You know what I mean? And where with someone like Kesha, she just has so much nas- you know, natural charisma and personality that it that is what comes through, and then that's the strength that registers. She doesn't need to tell you she's strong all the time because you can hear it when she sings. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's almost a difference between like a. Like, Beyonce sort of set up, like, a superhero like Superman, where it's this sort of ideal that really isn't achievable by anyone, but that doesn't mean... Like, what she's singing about is an ideal that... Or, like, this persona that people can look to be at, like, the top, top, upper tier, where the other artists are more of a Peter Parker, Spider-Man kind of real person, real struggles, like, flawed... And has weaknesses, kind of. Um, right. Yeah. I, and also, it's just, and not afraid to have fun with it. And that's, I, and I, that is such a, for me, such a lacking part in like the Beyonce thing, where it feels so serious all the time. You know. Kanye um, has fun. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> Kanye does have fun. Her new workout plan. <laughs> oh, God. Such a weird song. I can't song. wait to talk about that song. Well, so you loving uh, Diamonds for Sierra Leone. Um, did it blow your mind when you then heard Blood on the Leaves? Was that the next evolution? Yeah. Well, I mean, by, by the time I got there, I heard, you know, his other stuff, and I'd, I'd kind of fallen in love. So I was kind of, you know, already on, on board with that whole thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Blood on the Leaves, the, the choice of sample in that song is really devastating, honestly. I mean, I, I mean, that's some, I'm sure we'll talk about it. I know you guys are going to talk about it. But that's something about Jesus, that, that whole album, that there's such a... There's so many ways that you can listen to it, where I feel like a song like Blood on the Leaves, or any song on that album, if you can sit down and really listen to it intently, and just feel kind of emotionally destroyed, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's such a, it just, it, it, it's, 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 I don't know if I'd say profound, I think it's profound, but it has like this really almost debilitating effect, because there's so much power and, and despair, and, and you know, social analysis on what he's talking about. But at the same time, you could also just play that song, you know, when you're driving, play that album when you're driving in your car and turn it up and just rock out. And like how that, I, I can, I don't think I can name 10 albums that I feel that way about. You know what I mean? That can do both depending on how you're feeling. Yeah, like I love driving and listening to like Can't Hold My Liquor. But then if I like were to sit there and listen to Can't Hold My Liquor, I'd maybe start to cry for both people oh, involved. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I was about to actually. I was about to mention "Can't Hold My Liquor" because I always thought that was the most devastating song on the album, and in a lot of ways it is. Um, but in the context of the album, it becomes a lot more devastating. When, which is why Jesus still blows my mind, and why I'm turning off albums like halfway through half the time, because like I'm not getting this giant narrative building throughout, and I'm not. These songs are gaining emphasis like in the middle all of a sudden because of the song surrounding it. And I've kind of grown to love Blood in the Leaves that way, where that song really is kind of, like, heartbreaking on the album. And to see him switch, like, there's a dichotomy in the song where you have the beginning that's kind of soft and somber, and then it gets fierce, and he's, like, yelling at, like, Jay-Z and everything. Like, you could just feel, like, the character in that album, like, gaining personality and, like, like transforming, and it's crazy. Like, it's it's so... Like, it makes me feel human. Like, I like right. I connect with it so much. I'm tempted to say at this point for me that the most 
emotional, devastating tracks. Even though "Hold My Liquor" is my favorite, I think the I think uh, "I Am a God" and "I'm in It" tend to be the ones oh, that God. for me are the most that hit me the hardest. And I think it's just because you the you know like that that the anguish that he's expressing through that character, the, the ang- you can feel it. You can feel what that character is feeling, and that we just through little little lines and and touches that he does musically. Yeah, I would say I Am a God is probably one of the most yes. misunderstood songs. Oh, yeah. Songs um, ever. Yeah, yep. it just everybody thinks it's him being like, it's more braggadocio, but it's actually just, it's high irony. It's his character breaking down. Yep. Oh. Yeah, literally, by the end. <laughs> yeah, it just, it devolves into screams. Like. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. You don't hear any, not even just rap music, you don't hear music doing that. Like, especially someone like Kanye, who's won Album of the Year, who, like, can pretty much, like, do whatever he wants, can probably make radio hits for the rest of his life if he really wants to, but no, he's making something like this, where, like, he's running through the streets and, like, screaming, and, like, it's fucking nuts. Right, like, how can you, how, how, how can you just say that that song is just braggadocio and him literally saying that he's a god and, you know, the greatest ever, like, a thousand other rap songs, when it ends with him screaming like he's trapped like he can't escape from what he's created i mean that's it's unbelievable yeah and plus the contrast between saying like i am a god and then he keeps asking people for things and as far as we know none of them are delivered like he can't even get <laughs> fucking croissants like with my damn menage yeah it's amazing it's god Jesus is so fucking good yeah it is <laughs> Wow, I didn't think we'd ever get into use this before, but this is good. It feels You're good. welcome. <laughs> I've been wait I've been waiting so long. I can feel it. Like when I'm listening to you guys talk about Collins Dropout, I'm like, You're just dying right now, aren't you? You're just <laughs> waiting to bust out of this. Yeah. Uh yeah. It's, it's a little torturous. I'm because is gonna be the first like really exciting full album for me. I guess not so much for Travis, but You should not be skipping graduation. Well, graduation oh. for me. Yeah. yeah, we're not going to skip, but... No, I mean, you shouldn't be saying that'll be the first interesting one, because <laughs> Graduation is fantastic. Yeah, I need to go back through... Graduation's the one album that's never, like, like resonated with me. And maybe maybe that's just because I spent so long... I, I had never really appreciated Kanye's first three albums until, like, last year, year and a half ago. And then I finally went back and re-listened and was like, what the fuck was I thinking? Um... <laughs> But Graduation was still the one where there were still, like, songs on it where I was like, yeah, this is phenomenal. But then there were more so where I was just, like, overall with the album, like, yeah. Yeah, that's... So maybe going through that in 808s will be good for us because I think that album, and we'll maybe you'll, you'll realize it once we get through it, but me personally, I feel... I hear a thematic storyline throughout that album. That I think is the first time he does it, the first glimpse we get it from him. And it kind of starts with this, like, good morning, like, graduation sort of thing and kind of ends with, it's this journey about him, like, going away from home and getting sucked up in, like, the stardom and then realizing how, like, debilitating it can be and then trying to go back home and sort of being denied and then going back to Jay-Z, where it's just where it all started and, like, kind of the fall out of them like it all adds up to me somehow in this very like not a linear storyline but a thematic one that tells a story about a character it's probably the most personal one i think he's made okay because i think he gets into like these characters he creates more in the other albums 
I think a lot of people might disagree with the statement, but I mean, for me, I consider graduation like the birth of Kanye as we know him now. Nice, because I shooting out of that cannon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's right there. <laughs> I missed uh, the narrative stuff because I just heard like it was to me it was the album that had the most like just bragging, like superficial bragging. But mm-hmm. I didn't pick up on that context of the bragging's part of the narrative. The same way in Yeezus, there's like right. a couple sections where like the bragging's part of the narrative. I yeah. realized it actually when I heard Drunken Hot Girls, which forever I was like, that's the worst Kanye song. Like that's yeah. terrible. <laughs> I'm still kind of there. <laughs> but it, not the worst. But. Right. I but I it's this weird case where like I may not love the song, but I kinda love it on the album. And if you listen to it like the right set of ears, like maybe it's, it's just how I listen to it now, it sounds a little ironic. It sounds like he's not really bragging about drunken hot girls. It kind of sounds like it should be amazing. Like, drunken hot girl, like, it's great. But the way he's seen it is almost like, it's like sad and tragic. And somebody who thought it would be amazing, but is like kind of bored with it. Right. Yeah. And that's what I get from it. Like, thematic, like the storyline thematically. Like, I feel like it's moving through a character somehow. Okay, so he's recognizing like the hollowness of it. I think so. I guess we'll find out when we listen to it and talk about it. <laughs> yeah. There's there's one line at the beginning on, on the first song on that album, the Good Morning. I think that's what it's called. Um, mm-hmm. That I, I, that set up. That was the first seed for me. That set up. I think what is maybe to me the most fascinating theme in all of Kanye's art, um, which is this idea of what like wealth and fame and braggadocio, all that stuff means to like you know the the black experience in america and hip-hop um and also feel and then the, as as he gets to ease us starting to feel now that he's attained it now is starting to feel dissatisfied even by that mm-hmm. um which is at the beginning when he says um i'm like the fly malcolm x by any jeans necessary which he the way he is tying in fashion to civil rights right there mm-hmm. that that was <laughs> like another moment for me where I was like holy shit yeah <laughs> where you know what I mean just stuff started to make sense to me and it also probably helped that um, a, a little bit before this I was I was reading um, the resistance by Armand white which is a, an amazing book um, but he also he talks about he talk, he does a, he talks a lot about uh, you know like 80s and 90s hip-hop in that book Um and he just—that's one of the themes that, that 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 book really clarified for me—is this idea of, you know, because even though I, I, I liked rap a lot, I never really understood the social context of all that bravado, you know, mm-hmm. which is this, something people always bag on rap and, and rappers for. So they're so you know egotistical and whatever. But it's like there's a, there's a reason for that, you know what I mean? There's there's a reason when you're. When your whole people is oppressed by a society, you're, you're going. You, you are expressing yourself and finding your your self worth in things that you can control. So when you are, when you think that you're an amazing rapper, when you have you know tons of money, when you have you know all this swag and bling, whatever, that's a way of saying you know, despite whatever you think of me, I fucking I'm here. I'm succeeding. I'm successful. You cannot hold me down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that that. That was a, a huge insight for me. And once I got that, uh, you know, everything started to make sense. And then for Kanye to, you know, actually tie that into civil rights in a, such a concrete way like that. And then, you know, I, I'm sure we'll get to it with Jesus and everything later. But, yeah, just that the way he says, yeah, I got that. But now even that's not enough. 
that that's amazing, and I think that's a, that's a, a level of self analysis and introspection that I don't get from a lot of other hip hop, or I don't think really any hip hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you mentioned the the kind of mixing of like the Malcolm X by any necessary. Like that's one of the moments I fell in love with. I'm in it when he mm-hmm. says, um, "Oh, that's the best line on the my fist center like a civil rights sign." Fuck yeah. He to me like. <laughs> Well, I think the best line in the album is when he says Jesus just rose again, uh, which is yes. hilarious to me. But even, and both those lines really, like, you, there's this mix, like, there's this rawness, like, to the political message he's, he has throughout the album. And at the same time, like, you have this, like, theme of sexual addiction. And right. he combines both of those in this moment. And I'm like, oh my fucking God, like, this guy is building, like, all of this imagery and themes throughout the album and, like, culminating it with this line. Like, nobody is doing this. And not just culminating with the line, but he builds up all of that sexual bravado throughout the song. And then the chorus is, I'm in it and I can't get out. Right. The, adding that I can't get out is such a clarifying, you know, piece of context that, again, I feel like a lot a lot of other artists are not going that level. They're getting that first level, but then they're not willing to go further and question you know, what that actually means. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. <laughs> God. Like, there's not just, there aren't just, you know, a narrative and thematic arc to the albums, but it, all the albums put together makes a larger mm-hmm. one. Like, that's unbelievable. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, that's the most exciting part for me doing all this is kind of watching Kanye's growth as an artist and really seeing, like, individual songs, like, taking it down to, like, an atomic level and seeing, like, how he shifts and like perspectives and how he like grows in the way he talks about elitism and brands and like it just fascinates me like building up all the way to all day i'm like holy shit like compare yeah. all day to something like we don't care like right. the way he's talking about fashion and like the power it holds over kids like it's crazy like where he's gone with that stuff i think that and again there's for me there's one line in all day uh, which I think is the real I, I think is going to be a, a hint of a big theme on the album and as a big it, it, for me, it's like the logical next step after Jesus, after the way Jesus questions all of that, you know, uh, bravado stuff in a personal way, um, where he says that, which for me is maybe my favorite line in any Kanye song, or very close to it, uh, which is the, uh, like a light-skinned slave boy, we in the motherfucking house, mm-hmm. which is crazy. <laughs> like this idea of that, yeah, that it, it's almost to me, it's almost like hinting at this idea of that, you know, Kanye and, and is like being accepted now by like this mainstream sort of in a way white culture as this you know amazing artist or whatever but at the same time it's like there's it's still uh, underneath this system of oppression by being in there you know what i mean like it's unbelievable this is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag wimpy 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 And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Yeah, that's really funny. Those are all themes we've talked about, and it's like, especially the first three songs on College Dropout, it's very heavy on that stuff and this sort of uh defeat defeat he has like on there and like even when he's like working at the gap like that's the way he feels like it's 
it's great. And I think we've talked about, like, that's what makes us so relate to him a lot more than most hip-hop artists. Like, I don't know. I've been trying really hard to like Jay-Z, as we've covered in this podcast. And I have trouble with it, like, not just because he's somebody who seems about being in the streets, but, like, just the way he talks about himself and then the context of himself um, and not in any sort of, like, narrative form. Like, sometimes he gets into narrative stuff, but, like, not in the way Kanye does and not in the way it's sectioned and structured. It's it's crazy, and it drives me nuts that people don't get it. <laughs> and I think they're, I mean, I, I don't know, and I have trouble with not just Jay-Z, but a lot of rap that, that is still, you know, uh, that modern rap that is talking about, like, the streets and ghetto life and stuff. And it's not because that it's not valid, of course. It's just that I think that there's so much, uh, like, the stuff in the 90s already covered so much of that stuff in so much clarity and, and depth that now I kind of feel like, uh, it, again, it kind of, bring, kind of brings me back to, like, the Beyonce thing of feminism. It's like, well, what's, what's the next step now? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, at what point are we just, you know, going over the same ground where someone like Nas covered on Illmatic? I mean, for, like, when I was a kid, like, first getting into hip-hop, uh, Life's a Bish was, like, the one of the most, like, amazing moments of my life. <laughs> because, you know, I came from, like middle of nowhere, small town in the Midwest. I had I was so far from this life, you know what I mean? I, I had no understanding of what that kind of life was like. And then to listen to Nas talk about life in in, in the ghetto and, and life's a bitch and it's, and not just and not just, you know, the what you what you're used to hearing about life, like the crime and the guns and the drugs and whatever. But to to give like a, a, a reason why, just by saying, you know, basically this idea that, you know, you you feel like everyone around you is dying and you're going to die tomorrow anyway, so what does it matter what we do? This this idea of, of um, you know, this expressing why life feels meat, like cheap and why this sort of nihilism happens, you know, in this, like, personal, soci- like, socially, sociological way, that for me, again, as a kid, I was like, that was like the first real moment of insight I got in from really almost any piece of music. One of the, That was one of the big ones for me. That was a totally off-topic tangent. <laughs> we want to know your story, eh? It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it all it all feeds into it because I mean that was something that you you connected with uh, insightful music early on, and then found yourself sort of in a like a not a desert, but like a just a repetitious landscape where it's like I'm waiting for something new, and then to find something like what Kanye's doing. It really expresses how there is a need for artists to move beyond what other people are currently talk about talking about. Right. It'd be like, right. you know, every every painter does a still life at some point, and because it's such a common theme, you get to see that the style shift. Like Escher's still life is different than Picasso's still life, um, but that doesn't mean that painters should continually paint still lifes, right? <laughs> like, you need Escher and Picasso to move beyond that and to paint the things that are, like, most important to them. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, maybe Jay-Z is, like, the epitome of that, like, braggadocio, but we need other people to do other music and talk about other things, where I feel like a lot of hip-hop artists just think, like, that's what they need to say, like, how they have guns, how they have money, how they have jewels, when, no, like... If Drake's going to be like a little emotional guy, you need Drake to be the little emotional guy. Like. <laughs> but and 
this is and this is why you know I think it's so important for artists and critics too to be you know art literate because if you don't if you don't know you know what's preceded you how are you going to know where to go like how are you like how are you going to know what you're saying is anything new or insightful if if somebody if you don't know what's been said before you know what I mean and that's why I think that's another subject but you know that's I, I think that's that's a, a, an important thing to have when you're making and understanding art. Yeah, and I think that's what we've said about Kanye, actually. Like, he was saying stuff we had never heard before. Like, <laughs> how many rappers, like, rapped about working at the Gap? Like, that's <laughs> kind of simple and, like, maybe a little superficial, but, like, at the same time, like, I've never heard that. Like, that's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, and that gets at some of the beauty of, like, um, oh, I'm forgetting the track name on 808, where he talks about, like, um, Welcome to Heartbreak. Or yeah. he's just like, you know, he showing like he's getting shown pictures of his friend's kids, and all he can show is pictures of his cribs. Like he's bragging, but looking at like the hollowness of that life in a way right. that like I don't think other people. Right. The, the delivery and context of that line seems like reversed from what you'd hear from most songs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's a it's a downward um, energy rather than upward energy. Right. Well, uh, VMAs. I <laughs> guess we should talk about the VMAs. <laughs> great, you all great. Them. Most of it was great. Almost all of it was great. Um, I actually, there were, I wasn't into a lot of the performances, actually. I, it was about 50-50 for me, I think. Oh, okay. I was going to say, some, the ones I liked were not the ones I was expecting to like. Yeah. Uh, uh, Demi Lovato well, you- and... I even like Nick Jonas. Like, I'm into that song, and I think he's doing some cool stuff. You guys, uh, can I, I should, I, I just need to admit that, uh, and like, the within like three or four days after I got it, uh, Cool for the Summer was the number one most played song on my iPod of all time. <laughs> I think I've listened to it like a hundred times, literally, so. Yeah. I've been listening to it a lot, too. It's a great song. I just, the, <laughs> there, there are times when I'll just like sit, I'll just sit at my desk, do whatever, and I'll just have it literally on repeat for like two hours at a time. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I have a little guitar riff in it. I haven't oh, heard this song. It's all. Oh my god, you're missing out, man. Yeah, I feel like I'm on the on the <laughs> lame end of things. The Nicki Minaj performance is pretty great too. I thought it was good, but I wasn't in the Taylor coming out. It like made it into yeah. a different thing, like like beef or whatever and it was just right. like, it felt stupid and manufactured to me I agree but that's probably colored by my feelings on Taylor Swift but <laughs> yeah I'm not crazy about her I'm okay with some stuff on 1989 but I don't think she's ever made like a good album um, but I guess we should talk about Kanye to be a <laughs> he was really digging the weekend oh yeah that's right I didn't actually watch the entire thing. I just watched performances and speeches and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. There's been a video that's been circulating of, like, Kanye dancing to the weekend. Yep. Um, he, like, just stood up and started dancing while everybody else just <laughs> sitting. Uh, what I really so liked was that I watched Kim's face carefully, and she never <laughs> once showed, like, unease or displeasure like, she she didn't show that she was, like, excited, but she kept, like, a neutral, like, yeah, Kanye's doing Kanye things. That made me happy. I feel like he's taken care of. <laughs> Maybe we should do Kim Kardashian updates on here. 
I'm surprised you haven't been, honestly. <laughs> yeah, what have we been thinking? A lot of the Northwest news ends up being Kim Kardashian news, I feel like. That matching outfit one? Adorable. Oh, that's our... <laughs> don't spoil our Northwest updates. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> um, you know, I, I haven't listened to Kanye's speech or read it. Oh, what? Yeah. Dude, we do a Kanye West podcast. I know. We should probably stop this right now. <laughs> I know. Part of me was, like, really nervous because I just heard he gave a speech and people were like, it's weird. And I was just like, oh, no, I'm nervous. It's and, and unbelievable. Then I, yeah, I haven't gone back and listened to it. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I think my favorite part was that it begins with, like, three minutes of just silence, just standing there listening to cheers. Yeah. Like, it's pretty amazing. Um, I was telling – I was saying this before the podcast, but I uh, – I hadn't seen the video, I'd only, because I don't have TV and everything, and I couldn't find a way to, you know, get it online, so, um, I read the speech the next morning, and I'm reading it, and I'm like, this is, like, fucking great, like, it's so poignant, and so, like, down to earth, and it's stuff, like, you wouldn't, you don't hear people from his position usually saying, like, it's not, like, politically correct, it's not, like, uh, safe. Like, it's really out there, and it's calling people out and saying what he thinks, and I loved it. And when I read it on paper, it reads, it doesn't read like a Kanye West speech. <laughs> it's, like, sort of, uh, it's very uh, focused, and it might jump around a little bit, but it still gets at a larger point, and there's, like, a narrative to it. And then I listened to him give the speech, <laughs> and I kind of got what people were saying. <laughs> It's, it's really random and sporadic, like, in the way he's delivering it. And it made me, like, think, like, okay, this is why. Oh, God. Because they're done. Oh, I think Chris has got it. Oh. <laughs> Dude, it's, like, 13 minutes long. Yeah, I, uh, no, I was trying to read the transcripts, and, um, yeah, that's, uh, oh, video the audio video, or auto video. I like it. It's pure, just, I mean, it's just completely unfiltered stream of consciousness honesty. It's, it's incredible. I, like, did you, did you read, like, the, the backstory of what he was supposed to do at, at the show? I have no idea, actually. Okay, so, he actually, they, they thought he was going to perform. Like, he was originally going to perform a, a medley of songs. Oh. And, right, I guess, seriously, like, minutes before he was about to be presented, he just told them, no, I don't want to do that anymore, I'm just going to talk. So, this was completely unplanned. Like, he just walked up there and just started talking instead. That's awesome. That is great, although I want to hear that medley. Oh, I know. I was actually really disappointed, because I thought he was going to perform at some point, too, and that never happened. Damn, I did, too. I even told my girlfriend that. I was like, he's going to do a medley. Like, they do yeah. it every year now. He's going to be him. Uh, but I, was I mean, it was, it was okay, though, just because I liked... I, I love the whole show. I don't know. I don't know how deep we want to get into that whole thing, but uh, <laughs> I, there's a lot going on for me at that show. Well, we could definitely get into it. Um, <laughs> you sure? <laughs> I, I don't give a shit. Like, I, I mean, we can talk about... We can keep talking about Kanye's speech, or we can talk about Miley. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I, actually, I can, what do you think about the Nikki Miley thing? Do you think it was real? Uh, from what I've heard, it was, and it seemed real. Um, I mean, I know, I, I saw, like, what she said about Nikki right before, which I don't, even though, guys, I'll, I'm totally Team Miley, but uh, I, got, 
I, I, I'm not really on her side. With I think she kind of missed the point of that whole thing. Oh yeah, it's it was completely stupid. <laughs> yeah, which it pains me to say because I love her, but oh well. But uh, yeah, I I had like a big I don't know I've been, I've been going through a, a real uh, epiphany lately with uh, with pop culture and how I fit into all of it. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot happening for me at that show. What about Miley? Like really speaks to you. It, well, it, it's something, it's not just her, it, it's like the whole larger pop culture at the moment, and like youth culture, because, well, just like the background, like when I, my whole life growing up, I've, I've always been like this, it sounds so stupid to say, but like, you know, an outsider, I guess, and I, I, I hate when people say that, but um, <laughs> I just, like, when I was, you know, when I was in high school and everything, I was, honestly, I was like a goth in high school, and I just listened to like, uh, grunge music and Radiohead, and then I got really into metal, and I still, I'm still really into metal somewhat, um, but I just, I, I never felt like I could relate to the majority of people and people my age and what was going on in, in the culture, you know, I just felt, uh, like I didn't get it, like that wasn't me, like I couldn't relate to the, like the kind of music and new movies and fashion and stuff people were into, right? Right. And lately, I've been finding this weird thing where I feel like I'm reversing, where now I'm not, I'm struggling to relate to, like, the alternative culture, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, like, all the the stuff in the alternative culture just feels really uninteresting to me, like, the music, like, a lot of alternative music and everything I'm not connecting with, with what's coming out now, like, it all feels very safe and, mm-hmm. and stale to me, and then all of a sudden I'm finding when I'm listening to, like, Miley Cyrus, Kanye West, and I'm watching the VMAs, and I'm seeing all these like young people, like have, you know, talk about their beliefs and and themselves and and how they want the world to be and their and how they they're using their platform to and you know not that artists haven't used their platform to you know say important things forever, but just I don't know when I'm hearing just someone like Miley Cyrus talk about you know transgender, gay, bisexual acceptance and equality and and. And, but in a way that's also not being like politically correct about it necessarily, where she's also just being really like defiant with her sexuality and her personality, and the way that all that stuff is connected, and it's connected into the art that they're making. Also, I, I, I for the first time, I feel like I get this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I feel like this is I, I can relate to this. This is something I feel like I can and want to be a part of, yeah. which is really a, like a new weird thing for me because <laughs> I've literally never felt this my entire life. Oh my so. God. I, I feel like you're saying, I, I feel the exact same way. It's been happening to me the last like couple years too and I don't know why like like I'll tell my friends like yeah I love the new like Carly Rae song or something and they look at me like I'm a fucking moron. <laughs> like what are you talking about? Like they, they're a lot of my friends aren't at that stage and maybe they it's just some way, like, our worldviews, like, we won't ever be at that level, but, like, I've had that shift where I went from, like, the sort of alternative indie stuff where I was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to like, like, this is different, this is what, like, you get into when you, like, reach, like, 20 or whatever, and, like, that was kind of, like, my journey. I never really got into, like, music or movies until, like, I got to college, but I have had this shift where, and I, and I and I agree with you. I feel that the VMAs, like, there's this presence, like, this collective right. presence. And Kanye even gets at it. He says, like, listen to the kids. Like, yes. I think he gets it, too. And I think right. maybe that's, I wonder if that's fueled the, 
like the direction well, he, of his music or something. Like, he, I mean, he pretty much like blatantly said it. He's like, you know, we're we're the millennials, and we're not going to teach our kids to feel bad about themselves like our parents did. You know, I mean, that that I mean that that's the thing. Like, I, it, it's 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 such an extreme shift for me when I think about it. Because I mean, I when I was in high school, I mean, I was pretty much a flat out misanthrope. Like, yeah. I hated everybody, I hated everything, <laughs> and I just I didn't want I, I I hated being around people, and all I wanted to do was just be by myself and with my girlfriend, and that was it. You know, and like I just I would just watch like you know these really just like the like the goriest horror movies I could find and stuff because it was just it felt like a release or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just. It, it, it was just like it was bad, <laughs> but now it's like I, I, I've gone from wanting to just like separate myself to all of a sudden feeling like I can't live that way. Like I feel, I, I feel like I care. I, I, I've I, I've started to just like care about people and the world and the state, <laughs> the world and the people are in, and I care about how other people feel, and I care about how I fit in with with. The, you know, society, not, not fit in, but how I'm connected to it. And I'm not, I can't, I can't just, I can't live with just isolating myself anymore. Like, I feel like I have to be a part of it because I'm a part of it, whether I want to be or not, which is something I never understood or cared about before. And now it, it's, and that, the, the weird thing is like, well, I was talking earlier about how like in, in hip hop, and black music, you know, there's this whole sense of self-empowerment because you you have to empower yourself because society is not going to do that for you, right? Mm-hmm. Well, like now, I feel like the stuff, the, the like the art that I tend to be able to relate to and find meaning in is stuff that comes from like uh, like from a black background or from like a, a feminist background backgrounds where the you know the the artists feel like they are their own power, they are their own you know, inspiration, and they, they have they have to make that themselves because, like I said, the world's not going to. But, like, all the music I came from, like, all this rock and, and metal and stuff, it, it comes from a very, uh, generally, a, a very, like, white place, right? And I, I realized a while ago, <coughs> excuse me, where it, it, if, you know, like, the, the, the stuff from, the, like, the, the classes that are being oppressed, you know, like, music from women and music from, uh, you know, minorities... If that stuff is self-empowerment, well, then what is the white stuff, right? Like, the white stuff is basically this music that's coming from this sort of ruling class. And if you look at, you know, a a lot of white music, a a lot of rock music, there's such a sense of self-loathing pervading all of it. Like, all the stuff that was big in the 90s, like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all that stuff, there's there's such a sense of just hatred for, for yourself and this darkness for how you feel about you. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, there's just, it, it, it's very uh, kind of mopey. And, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's fine. I, I mean, that's valuable. I got a lot out of that when I was a teenager. But, like, when I listen to that stuff now, I feel like it's all still kind of in the same place. Like, it's coming from this place of ruling class ennui. And I feel like that's not interesting to me anymore. You know, like that, I, I don't feel, I, I, I don't feel worth or or depth or importance from that anymore that it feels very narcissistic and very aimless to me now you know i i feel like i want to be a part of the other side i want to be a part of the side that's saying fuck that you know i i have worth and i don't care how you feel about me i, I you know like all like Nicki minaj and kanye talk about you know loving their haters and their haters give them just as much inspiration as all the people that love them you know what i mean yeah. that's Amazing! Like I, you, you would never hear something like that in in rock music outside of like punk saying, you know, fuck authority or whatever, which is a different <laughs> angle. You know, it's 
there's, there's a sense of, of self and power in it that's just not there in the stuff that I used to like and oh, that I still like, but I, I can't, like, the new stuff that's coming out is coming from the same place. And I don't know, I, I just, I'm having trouble relating to that side. Right. And it, I think, too, like, a lot of the isolation or um, uh, her hermetic behavior or hermetic behavior that you talk about, like, in high school, it doesn't stem from, like, a... It still stems from, like, emotion, right? There's a lot right. of emotion and probably, like, a little bit of a a turning in as, like, a, a way to stop feeling so much. Right. And then you're at a place now where, like, you're not trying to resist that. You're at a point where you're able to sort of gush. You're wanting to, like, open yourself to the world, which is beautiful. And I think that does get at why pop music and why these empowered artists are very helpful. We're opposed to, you know, I'm thinking back to like my nineties listening to like puddle of mud and how like sad all those songs were, Uh, which makes me really think about like a band like Lincoln park and the range that there is in Lincoln parks music from like very, um, disenfranchised songs like weak songs to the empowered like we're not going to take this or like i'm not gonna abide by your rules kind of music that's very interesting to me in this moment yeah okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right. It's just a matter of, you know, it's just that, that shift of, of, of learning to care about others and, and learning to not be detached and cynical. I, I think overcoming cynicism has been like one of the most important things that's ever happened to me. Because, I mean, the cynicism is just, it's, it's horrible. Like, it's a horrible way to go through life. And at the, at the time, you know, it felt like the only thing that made sense to me. But now, looking back, it, it's such like a shallow way of living. And it's such a shallow way of relating to the world and, and people. Just this denial of, of, of genuine emotion and, and caring and a denial of a denial of society, uh, you know, as as uh, as a group, a denial that you know people are part of one thing. Yeah. You know, like you can't just isolate yourself and, and just think that that's fine. You, you know what I mean? It's it, it, there are things that are more important than just you. Yeah. And that's that's like that that has been a really amazing thing to come to terms with. Yeah, it's a little ironic. I, I think it's really bold and like kind of egotistical to be that cynical and to look at yes. someone like Kanye who's that huge and say like that guy's full of shit. Like, he's huge. He can do whatever he wants. Like, his speech makes no sense. Like, to me, that's the irony. Like, well, he actually is, like, being, like, really, like, passionate and, like, honest and, like, he's speaking what he means. Like, your inability to, like, grasp it and, like, put right. yourself in this pedestal and think, like, he's just full of shit. Like, that, to me, is, like, the problem. Like, I don't understand why... Like, fuck, I listened to a whole Jay-Z's entire discography trying to figure that guy out. Like, I gave the guy a chance. Like, I get him, like, inside and out now. It doesn't mean I have to connect with his music, but I do, like, appreciate him on a different level, actually, now. And to me, like, 
is I feel like that's what art is about. Like I should be trying to figure out this person's worldviews and what right, they're trying right. to say. And that's to me like going through Kanye's speech. Like I'm at this point where like I get it. Like I know this guy like so well. Like I know what he's saying, and it speaks to me in ways that like it's so beautiful to like understand someone on that level. And I've never even met the fucker. Well, <laughs> only a few times. Oh, um, I'd say too, like what Jordan's talking about with going from like a place of cynicism to wanting to open up to wanting to like to caring about people and wanting to care about people. That's probably why Jesus resonates so much because that's exactly the arc in Jesus. Right. Um, when you get to bound two, like it's such a relief. Yep. Um, to just. And for the character, too, because the character's finally, like, connected with somebody and has found, like, a place of, like, a, sort of an oasis. And, I, uh, yeah, he's receptive and open, which I think that's what we're getting at. He's, admi- he's accepting and admitting what he needs. Right. Yep. Which is Kim Yang. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, top five Kanye songs? Oh, yeah. You got that list ready? Uh, yeah, I've got five here. All right, let's do it. Number five. Okay. Well, let me preface this by saying that this is a, a, an ever-shifting list, and it could be different in two weeks. But uh, <laughs> right now, I'm going to say number five, uh, Runaway. Uh, number four, On Sight. Number three, All Day. Number two, Power. And number one, Hold My Liquor. Nice. I like that. You know, On Sight is a song I don't think a lot of people appreciate either. Oh, it's incredible. I, I think, I mean, thematically, and of course on the album too, but I think also just musically it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love just turning it on. Like if I'm at the gym or something, it's the best. Yep. Oh, God, I can't wait for the On Sight episode. I, I have a, well, it's one of my, I was going to save it for the episode, but it's here. Like, one of my favorite, like, just flat-out memories is from that song. Because I remember, I don't know if you remember, Chris, but we were kind of freaking out when Jesus dropped. We were texting each other. Yeah. And I was on my way to, like, a destination wedding. So I am, like, trying my hardest to, like, download this goddamn album, like, illegally. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm going to do it. Like, I got to hear it. And I get it on the bus. And the quality is, like, terrible. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, and I'm listening to it. And I'm like, this album sucks. Like, <laughs> bullshit. And... Um, I finally got, like, I got in a car, and I was able to put it on full blast, and I told my girlfriend, like, I have a surprise for you, and she had, like, no idea what it was going to be, and I turned on this song, because, like, we're both huge Kanye fans, and the song starts playing, and it sound and, like, the clarity is a lot better, and it sounds incredible, and it's, like, big and loud, and then it's, you know, it's got the whole intro and everything, and then Kanye starts rapping, and she looks at me, and he's like, holy shit. Because we had been waiting so long for this album, and it was just, like, amazing. Like, we both, like, connected and, like, got Kanye, like, what he was doing and, like, the fun he was having with it. And, like, it was just so great. Like, that album to me, like, has... I just can't get over it. It, I, it is... I haven't said this yet, but it's my favorite album ever. <laughs> Mine too. Yeah. yeah. And it, there's nothing else... That sounds like it sonically. Yeah, I mean, it has precedence. Like you know, I, everybody talks about Death Grips, which yeah, is it's it's a, it's similar territory. Mm-hmm. Or something like M- like MIA's Maya, I think, is also sort of a, a precedent. Um, but there's 
still like I when I listen to it, the difference is something like Death Grips and, and Maya, those albums are so noisy and layered and big. And then Jesus is like that a similar sound but the opposite. It's like the most minimal, stripped down, bare thing you could possibly get. And that to me makes it feel so much in a way, so much more abrasive and aggressive than those other albums sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that's the thing I really love about the production is I can't even like I don't have a way of putting it into words, like, but to me, it sounds like the production like is surrounding the character we're listening to. Mm-hmm. There's all this dead space kind of behind what's going on because it is so minimalistic and everything, and it feels like a character like in a black room, basically, like mm-hmm. telling the story, and all these sounds going on around him are like what we're like experiencing through him, like internally. Like that's the only way I can describe it. And it really, like, puts me with the character in a way that I can't, I just can't think of with another album. It blows me away. Have you guys read the uh, the Rick Rubin piece about the stuff that got deleted from those songs? Yeah, I think, yes. we, I think Chris, you told me about it. Yeah. I read yeah, it a pretty, while ago. pretty crazy. I, I kind of want to hear those, but I, yeah, I, <laughs> it, I, it's, I can't imagine them any other way. Did I you, know. what was the song that leaked where it had the difference? Bound uh, 2. It was Bound 2. Yeah. That, like, I liked what I was hearing from that. Um, oh yeah, Bound 2 too. The only one I remember is, like, the, that black skinhead had, like, uh, crowd noise from a Little League game in it originally. <laughs> <laughs> of course it did. Yeah. yeah. What, um, God, I was happy to hear it all day in there. I, uh, for some reason... I, I have a lot of like weird feelings about all day, but I adore all day. <laughs> I just recently—I don't know why it took me so long, but in the last two weeks, I've realized how amazing it is and how much depth there is. And oh yeah, it's just like I can't stop listening to it now. I know, and again, it's a song that again sounds like nothing else I've ever heard before. Just, you know, it's and it just it changes so many times. It becomes so many different things in the span of like six minutes. It's unbelievable. That yeah, the, the Broadway the, lines get me every time. <laughs> Man, and just like narratively, the way he's rapping that song is like I feel like that maybe that's something he's he did it on Jesus, but like the way like he kind of speeds up the way he's talking and who he's talking to and the anger that's building in his voice. Like there's a narrative to the way he's rapping, and it feeds into his points and like kind of the emotion of it. And I can only imagine it's going to get even better on Swish. Like, I... Because I think about songs I use and I can't imagine them without being surrounded by those other songs. Like, it's become, like, a different thing to me. It's not just about the song. It's about this, like, entire experience of the album. Right. It's, it's gonna be cool. I wonder if we're ever gonna hear, like, the the excise tracks. I can't... I mean, I can't imagine how Jesus would be with extra tracks or, or how they would even work outside of the context of that album. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, well, and it's interesting, too, already looking at, on Swish, what he's given away. Like, Piss on Your Grave was supposed to be a track on Swish as it was originally envisioned, and now he gave that away to uh, Travis Scott for Rodeo or Rodeo. And... Uh, he had a song that he gave to, um, what's his face? Detroit guy. Um, Big Sean? Big Sean. That was supposed oh, yeah, to be on the song. album. And then he gave away the Rihanna track. So I'm really curious, because it seemed like with Yeezus, he just cut the stuff. 
or like, but here he's giving away these songs that were supposed to be part of his album. That is weird. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I might regret saying this later, but right now, I feel pretty confident that Swish is probably going to be his best album. I mean, even just based on All Day, I, I, that that right there is like, I mean, I just feel like he's been getting better and better as he goes anyway. So, I don't know. I, I, I have very little reason to doubt him right now. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if he just continued to top himself forever. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Well, um... Do you want to discuss the least favorite album or least favorite song or get into what's your top most, wait, Kanye, what moment? <laughs> uh, well, my least favorite is College Dropout. Um, uh, least favorite song is probably See You in My Nightmares, but only because of that Lil Wayne verse. <laughs> yeah. It's, Lil- I can't, I can't do it. I just can't get through it. I feel like we've briefly discussed Little Wayne. Every time we've discussed said Little Wayne's name, it's been with like that air. <laughs> been like, yeah, he's, he's I, there sometimes. I don't get it. I don't get him. Like that <laughs> voice is just, oh my god. I don't even have a problem with his voice. It's really? Insane. You probably should have a problem with his voice. <laughs> well, fine. No. <laughs> no. What do you love that song, Chris? No, I, I, you know, I'm okay with it. I like it, whatever. I need to listen um, to it again. I don't even, I, I do only think of Lil Wayne's part of that song. San, sans Lil Wayne, my favorite part, I'm sorry, my least favorite song is probably Heartless, um, which I have a real problem getting, I, I have a problem, I have problems with that song. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe we'll, you should come back for the Heartless discussion. We actually, so we, can, yeah, we should do that. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll save it for then. Okay. Um, and then you're, wait, Kanye, what? Oh, jeez. I don't know, I didn't, I hadn't really thought about a wait, Kanye, what moment. Yeah, we popped it on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Prepare you. I don't know, like, for me, it's it's hard because <laughs> it's almost like at this point, everything Kanye does and says, like, makes sense in a weird way. Like, it all fits in, like, the context of who he is and his whole narrative for me. I don't know, like, even stuff like his... Like the like the Taylor Swift interruption and everything, like it all it all like adds up to me. I, I don't know. I have a hard time like not getting something from him. Other than I, I don't know. I I, I I can't even I can't even like think of like a good throwaway line or anything right now. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it is a struggle actually to come up with them when we're listening to the songs. I'm like, oh, this all sounds amazing. Like, <laughs> like I don't know what to do. I'll say well. I'll say this one, I guess, just because it, it's all—it's like the one line in a song that I don't know. I, I I can see the argument for it making sense, but it always kind of throws me for a loop when he says it, uh, which is in Bound Two uh, when he says, uh, "Ask me what I wish, wish for on my wish list. You ever ask your bitch for other bitches?" Which seems like a such a strange line in the context of like what that song is about. I don't know. I I, I guess I'm sh- you know I know you guys are going to talk about it later, but <laughs> <laughs> like oh my it's God, hard- the last song we'll talk about. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Like two years from now. <laughs> um, no, it is strange in that context. Right. But I think it probably makes sense given, like, he's still flawed in a way. So it's like sure. there's still hurdles to get over. Yeah, you know what? I wonder if it feeds into because I I really want to talk about Bound 2 because for a, a long time I had the idea that the song was a little bit ironic 
and then it's almost kind of a subversion of like everything we're hearing in the album. Like you get something like um, it, it's all building up to send it up, and send it up as this like sort of him. You know, he's just rose again. He's like back to God status. He's he believes in himself that way, and then it like switches the bound too. And to me, there's this sort of. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say a joke, but the way he's saying everything sounds like it's supposed to be ironic. And the way right. he says bound is almost like, I'm bound. Like, fuck, I met this girl at this party and sent it up, and now I'm, like, stuck with her because I knocked her up. So part of it is loving. Like, I get that and, like, how it could be part of that narrative. But part of me thinks, like, is it sort of a reverse of what he's doing and, like, sign of getting back at the, you know how stardom isn't all it's cracked up to be, like, kind of the darker side of it and everything. The funny thing is, the, like, the way that song plays out, because, you, you know, on the surface, it feels like it is just, like, you know, the, the journey from on-site to Bound 2, where he's in love and admitting he needs something more than just what he had. But at the same time, when it has lines like that one I mentioned, and, like, what you're saying, Travis, where he's sort of... It's almost like he can't quite get there, or the song doesn't quite mean what it sounds like. It's like the way that makes me feel almost reminds me of the line, like almost like that part in On Sight is foreshadowing, where he says, uh, "Give us what we need may may not be what we want." You know what I mean? It's it's it feels like it's operating along a similar wavelength, where it's like you think it's going to give you this thing that you're waiting for, or this thing that you feel like is what he's trying to say, but then he he's throwing it off with other things that he says in that song, where it doesn't quite give you that cathartic satisfaction, which is I don't know that frustration is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because that's, uh, getting into, because he says, like, I'll turn the plane around, like, there are a few lines in there. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, there's a few lines that show disconnect. And Travis, you've had your theory about, um, the Jerome's in the house line. Yeah, right. So there's definitely, like, it, it, it has depth to it. It's not an easy reading, which I think is what makes the album so interesting, because you can't just listen to it and be like, oh yeah, it's that straightforward. It's right. like... Reading, and like, every oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, it's like reading Frost's uh, two paths diversion in Yellow Wood. Um, like, people just think it means like the path I took the path less taken, it's made all the difference. When Frost actually meant that to be ironic, like, it doesn't fucking matter what path you take, like, you just take a path. Um, right, it's like, every, it's like every song on that album, like, almost seems to mean the opposite of what it sounds like it means, you know. I mean, right. Like, on, on site, like, this super hard song about, you know, it sounds on the surface almost like a sort of straightforward rap bravado song, but then, like, ending it with the laugh like he does just, like, just changes the whole meaning of that song. And, like, every song seems to have at least one little moment like that, where it just, you think it means one thing, but it, he's really expressing the opposite. Which, and if you think about it that way, if his art to the end, like, like you were saying, is like we were talking about... If if his, that final song is following the same pattern, where it means like the opposite of what you think, then what the fuck does that? Man, it's like blowing my head open. <laughs> well, the drums on the house line. Maybe we should save it for the podcast. But again, it there's something deeper to that line because it's getting at uh, the show Martin and the character of Jerome. And it like like we said, like there's just always something deeper, and there's like these we there are these like ideas building throughout where like that line starts to make difference. It, you see it in a different light when you consider, like, all the, like, the 
influences on the album and the pop culture like throughout it and how it's like influencing this character like it just becomes a different line the way you're reading it the how you read into it it's fucking <sighs> I mean, he's just so exhausting to talk about like I can't believe we even got into it in the, in the best way yeah right yeah well uh Northwest News um well Jordan already spoiled it but, sorry, uh, sorry, guys. <laughs> really, I really, I really fucked up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, we get our, we got this Northwest update from the same place we always get it from. What well, I don't even remember the name anymore. Hollywood Life or something. Uh, but the headline is Northwest copies Daddy Kanye West's exact look with gray shirt and gold chain. <laughs> uh, pictures to boot. You can find that at HollywoodLife.com. Well worth seeking out. It's actually pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. I like the idea that Northwest will grow up to not feel that she's pressured into gender-specific fashion like Jaden Smith. <laughs> and I love what Jaden's doing. <laughs> Yo, wait, have you listened to any of his recent raps? Uh, I don't think I've listened to his rapping. I'm more into like his persona and like the crazy shit he's doing. I can't tell you how excited I am for Jaden to drop like an album. <laughs> I need to listen to this. <laughs> I don't even. I wouldn't even know how to process that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's done. He's done some like raps this last year. Where he's just like released tracks where I've been like, I'm legitimately into this. <laughs> like, um, I guess Gambino's a rapper that we didn't talk about at all. That tends to have like themes and depth going on into a yeah. lot of his songs, and. Like, Jaden reminded me of, like, somebody that's in that vein. Yeah. I actually have never gotten into Charles Gambino. I need to do that. I think we can all agree that we should. We just need to hope that uh, Northwest gets into the game someday. Oh, absolutely. Oh, fuck. Could you imagine? Oh, I can't. She has to. I can't even... I'm imagine, <laughs> I don't know why I pictured it, like, uh, that fucking movie Underworld... Where it's like the vampires and the lichens, and then they produce like a super vampire lichen. Or like you have like fashion media savvy Kim with like fashion music savvy like Kanye creating like ah, oh my god, that's gonna be like the final arc in, in Kanye's discography when he his his daughter's gonna join him on his like final album or something. Oh, could you imagine a joint album between them? Oh, man. I can, and it, I hope they got to happen. Secretly, Kim <laughs> spends the next 30 years developing a rap game. <laughs> Kim's on the album, too. What would they call it? The Yeezys? The Our the, story, eh? Our story. I think we just peaked. I think... This is getting out of hand. All right. Um, what are we talking about next time? Uh, next episode, we should be talking about Get Em High. Oh, thank God. A song we both like a lot, I think. Yeah, well, and Jordan, thank you for coming on. This was fantastic. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. Yep, and uh, podcast is Fifth Opinion. Yeah, uh, you can go to fifthopinionpod.com. And uh, if you like Chris and Travis, they've both been on it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, if you, and if you like listening about Twilight... 
got five episodes waiting for you. Yeah. Maybe not the best way to entice people, but all right. Yeah, Fifth Opinion really is like a roundtable discussion getting into a lot of uh, movie... I mean, it's movie-specific, so... But it's right. analyzing movies in a way that... Which is what we appreciate. Not a lot of critics do, getting various opinions and ideas out there that typically just get, like, the solo opinion or maybe two people joking about a movie, but not sort of the layers and, like, various insights that you guys bring. Yeah. Right. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, and the whole, yeah, the whole idea is uh, movies that we either disagree with each other or, like, the public and critics on. So movies that hopefully, to get people, hopefully people can see them differently if they've written them off before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully someday we can do a little joint marriage episode of Runaway. Fuck yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, a, a much of a line movie with a lot of people, actually, so it fits in with everything. And we've talked about doing it on Fifth Opinion on our own before, so yeah, that'd be great. Yes. Yes. I know nobody can see my eyes and my expression right now, but it's very intense. <laughs> All right, well, that uh, that does it. Goodbye. Goodbye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.